to the Of The Earth podcast. This is a place where we take time from our busy lives to remember the planet we're living on, the relations that support us, and our sense of belonging as children of this beautiful earth. I'm your host, Mariana Rittenhouse. Simply put, I'm a woman who sees life where others don't and teach humans to do the same. I do this by leading tea ceremonies, teaching personal tea ritual, and mentoring women in their spiritual reawakening to the earth. I created the Of The Earth podcast to re-inspire your innate connection to Mother Nature, so you can find deeper meaning in life and truly remember why you're here. Because even if you don't believe it, you belong. You really do. Thank you so much for being, and thank you for being here. Let's dig into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Of the Earth. This is Mariana, and I'm excited to share a beautiful conversation with you today with one of my students and now friends, Jess Cummings. As you know, or if you don't know, now you know, Start Your Own Tea Practice is officially open for enrollment. And so if you are ready to start your journey with tea, I am so excited to welcome you into this beautiful community and beautiful container. I will put the link to sign up in my show notes so you can go over there and see what it's all about and dive in. This next session starts on September 10th, and it's going to be so beautiful. I can feel the energy of this group specifically just coming together, and it really feels like it's going to be a powerful portal. I always get the sense of what it's going to be like before every single Start Your Own Tea practice is different, and this one really feels like it's about truth and simplicity and nature and humans as nature, and yeah. Just so excited to share it with you all. And that's one of the reasons that I'm sharing this conversation with Jess. She is someone who showed up to her tea practice against all odds. Literally, if anyone had an excuse to not show up, it was her. And I have over the past two years just been in complete awe watching this woman change her life and allow herself to be supported by tea in nature. We all have different experiences with tea. We all have different human journeys. And over the next couple of weeks, I'll be sharing different journeys with the people in my community that I love and am inspired by. And today we start with a journey of grief, a journey of heartbreak and finding wholeness once again. And Jess, her story is going to move you. So get ready for it. All right, let's get to the interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Of the Earth. I am so excited for my second interview today with the lovely Jess Cummings, who's here right now. She she and I originally met in um, actually a healing container that we did with Kylie Macbeth anchored, and then... She became a student through Start Your Own Tea Practice and then a friend through life. You know, tea tea helps you make friends. I think there's actually a saying, 
drink tea, make friends. <laughs> and so Jess is uh, beloved in my life and I'm so excited to have her here today. So welcome, Jess. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, Jess, I, if you might know this from other episodes, but I love to start everyone with just anchoring into what's happening in the earth around us. And so I would love to hear where are you and what's nature sharing with you today? Hmm. I am in central Virginia in the United States, um, in the land between like the the coast ocean and the Shenandoah Appalachian mountains. Um, And we are in that season of summer where it is muggy hot and the air feels really thick. Mm. Um, And Mm. there are different flowers blooming in late summer than there were earlier this spring. Um, And my, rose bushes are blooming and my black eyed Susans. Um, and Mm. yeah, with the thickness in the air, it just feels so full. Beautiful. Beautiful. Mm Um, I, I've heard of this hot muggy weather. Um, as you know, my boyfriend lives in Asheville, so also in Appalachia, and I hear all the complaints this time of year. And I, I, I'm actually thankful to the earth for it because it means that he will travel out this way <laughs> and I get more time with him here. It's very easy to convince him to come out to dry Colorado, uh, but I'm so excited to see that beautiful fall out there. It's it's just one of, feels like one of the best in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so here, here in Colorado, yeah, it's getting hot. Um, I'm actually feeling so good because last night I had my first outside sleep of this season. Um, I have a mattress on my deck and this year it has been so rainy that there's barely been an evening that I can sleep out there. And so last night felt like finally the perfect night and I slept under the stars and listened to all the insects and the winds and it was so sweet. I feel like every time I woke up, I would just look up at the sky and and the stars would just kind of lull me back to sleep like a lullaby. It was just so, so sweet. And Gracie, my cat, she... She just loves it when we get to be outside at night. (laughs) And so she did not leave my side. She was so purry and so happy and so grateful. (laughs) It was super cute. Um, But yeah, so I really enjoyed getting out and experiencing the evening, the nighttime nature here. And it was so cool. It was like when, when the wind would pick up or shift the different insects making noise would shift. And it was just so sweet to to experience the changes that happen because of the elements. You know, it's it's so easy for me to think of nighttime as just this static, like it's night. And then daytime is when things happen. 
And yeah, it was just a really sweet reminder that there's as much happening at nighttime as during the day. And it was really sweet to experience. So yeah, that's, that's the nature around here. I think, I think at one point I woke up to the sound of some animals walking underneath me and I think it was deers. And, and I'm also like, that could have been a dream. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling really refreshed today, really refreshed and connected to the land. Mm, That's so beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Jess, I'd love it if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. So I am a, a woman, um, a mother, I, um, yeah, sometimes these questions are so hard for me. <laughs> like, how do you capture all that you are <laughs> in just a few sentences? But, um, yeah, a woman, a mother, I am, um, a, a student and, um, I am, it feels edgy to name, but I am, um, I am also a grief worker and I, Mm. um, am deeply devoted to, to tea and to grief and to the, the alchemy that, that, that our grief has the potential within us to cultivate and, um, yeah, and a a daughter of the earth and a mm. daughter of my dad. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. I think that is a wonderful description. Um, I always love leaving things open-ended to see how people choose to respond to these questions because we're so conditioned to respond in a certain way and I think one of the things I love about our community is that it's just full of real people who aren't trying to market themselves in some way. And so we get to be with the realness of life as we engage with each other. And so I love that. And I mean, yeah, grief worker for sure. I, one of the reasons, especially when we think of a grief worker, just being someone who can work their grief and, I wanted you to come on here and I feel so grateful for you to share your story because I, I mentioned this in my podcast last week, but someone asked me like, what, when, what, when was it that you knew that tea was your work? And my answer was when I found out through dipping my toe into this work for a completely different agenda that my transformation and healing through tea was not a unique occurrence. I had never really seen anyone get into tea and and be initiated into all that they are and show up to it and not bounce to another spiritual tradition or not, you know, collapse or 
you know, there was a level of strength that was required of me in my journey that I hadn't really seen modeled. And when I think about our tea community, I've seen it happen over and over and over again. And that's when I realized like, oh, there's something here that I can hold space for. I can guide people through of how to like stay in the fire. And there's a few of you that when I think of, I'm like, you guys could probably guide me through this. I mean, the initiation and just watching it has my jaw on the floor of like, wow, the utter like warrior nature and strength of this human, the capacity of their hearts to show up at the table when life has made it so difficult is really humbling. And so I am, I'm excited for people to hear a different story in a completely different way that speaks to the same, the same level of initiation and shows the, yeah, just the, the human potential the human potential to actually show up to the transformations that life gives us and, and presents to us, right? We, we have a choice. We have a choice of whether we want to take all of this raw material that life gives us and become who we're here to be or continue to numb ourselves through, continue to dissociate, continue to disconnect, continue to be victims to this you know, amazing human experience that we've been gifted. And yeah, I'm excited. I'm, when I say, when you say I'm a grief worker, I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. In the, in the truest sense, in the truest sense, because it's come from within. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll never forget your text. I'll never forget the moment I got your text after I finished that first class of start your own tea practice that you were in. Um, do you want to share a little bit about that day? Mm, yeah. Oh, and yeah, just before I do that, um, when you were speaking to the choices that we get, it's a choice to me. It's also, that can sound kind of daunting, but it's, it's in every moment when you're in that season of initiation, it's, it's choosing to show up to your tea table or choosing to show up to whatever is alive for you in that moment and just be with it. And can you just stay and see what's there for you? Um, so yeah, it's, it's thousands and thousands of little moments and choices. But yeah, for that day, um, and a little bit of, um, background leading up to that day. So as you said, we met um, in Kylie's container and um, you, that's where I was introduced to tea there. And so I would sit with tea a little bit in, I hadn't learned the ritual yet, um, but I found it so supportive in that container in the work that we were doing there. And so when the, there was an opportunity to learn the ritual, I was an immediate yes. <laughs> Such a clear yes for me. And um, can I ask, 
can I ask yeah. why, can I ask why a, like you're already getting so much out of it? Why go, what, what was the call to go deeper? Yeah, I think that was partially a, partially a knowing that there was more depth and that I needed a guide in order to access that depth. Um, And Mm. if I'm being really honest, it was probably also this, like that container was ending and I felt like I wasn't done yet. And like I had more work to do Mm. and I needed more support. Um, Mm. And I I feel like I was also in a season where um, I really wanted, like I was in a season of my spiritual process where it was like the next thing, like, okay, I have, I did all of this work and now it's time for me to keep going rather than like sitting with all that I had just done. Um, and man, T, <laughs> yeah, T is such a teacher in enoughness. Yeah, I think it's so wise. I think that we underestimate, you know, people, they'll come out with a program and it's a certain amount of time. And I think it's so wise when we're able to say, I'm not done yet. I've had multiple programs where I've done that and people can be surprised like, oh, you're doing it again. And it's like, yeah, because it's just not complete. Like my soul, my system isn't working on the the marketing timeline of someone (laughs) who's creating something for more than just me. Sometimes I got to go through again. And, um, and I think it's so wise to, to do that and to, to let yourself continue, whether it's the same program or a different program, but just be like, there's, I'm on this path and there, the next step is like, it doesn't necessarily make sense in the material world. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Especially in a container like that, where it, there's just so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So speaking to that day, I. So I um, had myself all set up. I think our class was going to start at like 11 a.m. and. Um, my son and I had been like building train tracks in the living room. So they were covering the living room floor and I had my little space set up and I had my little table and I had just put the kettle on and it was like 15 minutes before we were going to start. And I got the phone call that my dad died. And it was a sudden death and it was completely unexpected. We were all blindsided by it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He was yeah. young too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was 48. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, some of our friends are 48, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like- <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I remember, I mean, when you're in that moment, 
like the fabric of reality seems to stretch and like you start to question what's real and what's not. And I remember looking at like the train tracks on the living room floor and my little tea table and just being like, what? <laughs> this cannot, this can't be happening right now. This can't possibly be true. Um, and my entire life came to a screeching halt in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I didn't know what to do. Um, you know, in that, in those moments, it's like, okay, there so much, it was like an immediate shift into so much being expected of me and so much that I needed to do. Um, and so I, I called some family nearby and I asked them to come and get my dog so that I could get out of town. Um, and I left, um, and yeah, and I called my older brother and my older sister and I shared that news with both of them. Um, and then I, I think I stayed there for maybe like eight days because there's so much in the immediate aftermath. There's just so much to do. Like you, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so much to do, um, arrangements to be made and people to call and flowers and funeral homes and ceremony of life and all of the things. And, and I remember, um, like three days later, my boss called me because I, I also had to like notify work that I this had happened and I was going to be out. And I remember my boss calling me and asking how I was doing. And I was like, this feels like something that because so much is being asked of me in this moment that this is something that out of survival or out of protection, I have put in a box and I have shut the lid and I will tend to that later. But like, I couldn't be with it at the time because there was so much to do. Um, Yeah. And then I came home and made it through all the arrangements and I made it through the funeral and I came home um, and there was a tea sit that day. Um, and I remember Mm. messaging you and being like, I, I haven't seen any of the classes. I haven't, you know, (laughs) and you just said, show up, just show up. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And so I just showed up, um, Yeah, I just showed up. I remember when you messaged me. Mm -hmm. I remember when you messaged me and I think you messaged me earlier on. Um, Mm -hmm. I did. Like 
maybe even the day of or the day after or something. And I had such a mixed response. I had the response of, well, to be totally honest, oh my God, it's happening again. Because there was a different start your own tea practice. I, I think it might've been the one right before the one that you took where someone had a death in their life the day of the first class as well. And my nervous system <laughs> definitely had like, oh my God, how is this happening again? <laughs> you know, and definitely had this causality in a way of like, is this what is start your own tea practice killing people's loved ones? Like what's happening, you know? (laughs) Of course I know that that's not true. And I know, you know, back to our, to our, to my question to you before, why did you show up? I, or why did you choose to go deeper? I truly believe that for a lot of people, and it's not always as big as a physical death, but for a lot of people, their list, their soul is listening. Their soul knows that they're about to need a lot of support. And so even though they don't know in a linear way, like I'm signing up for this course because I'm about to need a bunch of support because they don't know the thing that's going to happen or what life has in store for them. I think that there's a wise part of us that knows in advance. So there was a part of me that was just like afraid that was like, oh my God, I hope that this does not become the norm, (laughs) which by the way, everyone, it has not become the norm. Um, (laughs) But, (laughs) but I felt that panic in me and I felt the grief, the grief of like, oh my gosh, I don't want these, this to be happening to people. But then also this deeper understanding, especially during the pandemic of like, this is what's happening to people, whether they're in a course of yours or in your life or someone you know, or a friend of a friend, people are experiencing death more rapidly right now. And we need the tools to be able to support us in those moments, not just for ourselves, but also as people who are holding space for others. And I remember, so when I was in my dismantling process, I took an end of life care course, really more for the, for the purposes of preparing for a, my grandmother's death, but also who I was very close to, but also to understand better the internal death that I was going through. I wasn't going through a physical death, but my initiation was so intense physically along with, with emotionally and spiritually that I was like, how can I help this process along? How can I hold the best space for myself that I can? And in that course, I learned a lot about the logistics and what to do when, what to know for when someone passes away. And I remember just raking through my brain of like, you know this, give her the information, <laughs> you know? And um, and it's interesting because I remember in that end of life care course, I was the only person in the group who hadn't gone through like a loved one dying that I was very close to. I, I mean, people came in with like, 
young children who had passed away or husbands who had passed away. Like the stories were so just tender. And every single one of them said to me, I wish I had done this before I'd needed to. Mm -hmm. And that really stuck with me. Um, And I remember when you called, like in that moment being like, okay, what can I pass on to her? Like in this, in this instance, because she hasn't gone through that. Just thinking of all those people that were like, I wish I'd known how to better say goodbye to my loved one, how to treat their bodies and their souls with more honor than the funeral system and death system tells us to. And Mm -hmm. so I was really trying to rake my brain for that. And then I just had this deep prayer of, I really hope she shows up. Like, I hope she understands what a gift having this support in her life already is like, you don't have to, you're not, you weren't in a position where you had to go through the decision-making process of how am I going to support myself right now? That wise part of you had already done it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this woman has every, every excuse to just disappear. Every excuse to not show up to this practice. And I, I, I planted this big prayer of like, I really hope she does because I know that it's going to help her so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it did. And all, I mean, I mean, it took a lot of things, but, um, and a lot of it was just showing up. And trusting the process mm-hmm. and trusting tea and trusting you and not needing to know. <laughs> like, I think that was part of what was so beautiful about it for me was um, my mind, like I had missed the classes where my mind maybe would have gotten in the way. And instead I got to just show up mm-hmm. and be with what was there and just be with tea and and experience it without any preconceived notions about what I what am I supposed to get out of this yeah yeah totally because if anyone if I can say one thing about you Jess it's that you are a good student mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when, when you were describing your setup before start your own tea practice before you got the call I'm like yeah she was probably all buttoned up she probably did oh, yeah. everything right it was probably a beautiful space she was ready mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yep <laughs> yeah and one of the beautiful things that tea taught and continues to teach me is I do not have to be perfect. He does not expect that of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and like, what can we, it's like, are we prepared for these little human made things that we've, that we have in our society or are we prepared for life and life Mm -hmm. is not neat Life does not come with a manual. Life doesn't care, doesn't have a judgment about if you're good or bad. Life is about experiencing the present and this kind of beautiful 
amalgamation of moments and instances and choices that we have, <laughs> this beautiful mm -hmm. tapestry that we've woven and being prepared for what's next. And so to be able to sit in a practice that allows you to just receive what's here, to integrate what's here, I think helps us make wiser decisions. Absolutely. So I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit about, I have kind of, it's kind of a twofold, but really bringing you into where you were in that, in that space. So what did it mean to lose your dad? Because we all have different relationships with our fathers. So for some people losing your dad could be the worst thing in the world. And for some people it could be like, no, nah, okay. You know, so what what was that experience like and what was the support system you had in your life at that point in time? Mm -hmm. yeah. Hmm. yeah, losing my dad was, I mean, outside of my son, that was probably the next most foundational relationship in my life um and so losing him it felt like I was losing the closest thing that I had experienced outside of motherhood to unconditional love and he was a human and he was not perfect <laughs> um but there was still that unconditional love there. And, um, and because it was so sudden, there was, it felt like, like the foundation that I had built my life on, just like the rug just got pulled out from under me. And I started to question mm. who I was and I started to question, um, the choices that I was making, my relationship to work, how I was showing up in my life, all of these things. Um, and because he was so young, there was also this part that this part of my grief was this anger that like he, I felt like he got robbed. Like he had all these plans for, mm retirement and I watched this man work from for as long as like my entire I mean I think he was 19 when I was born and to see this man do all the things that we're told to do to work and to take care of his family and to not get to the end of that where you get to retire and enjoy your life <laughs> um yeah it, yeah it really I think it it shattered this illusion that I had about how life works you know that if you do mm -hmm. all the, the right things if you work you love your family and you're a good person in your community and you support other people that that life works out for you um, and so it also made me 
really reflect on how, how do I do that right now and not wait? Um, because I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it sounds so cliche, but like, we're, we're really not guaranteed <laughs> tomorrow and life really is so fragile. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, it, it sparked in me this, particularly because I didn't get to say goodbye to him in the way in this human life in the way that I would have wanted to. It's also sparked in me this, this practice of expressing my love and gratitude for the people in my life now while I can, Mm. while I have them. Um, Yeah. I love that. So it's, it's a sad way to learn that lesson, but it definitely gives it more meaning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking to the second part of your question about support, um, I had, I had my sweet dog molasses. Um, and you know, my network of support was not very sturdy. I felt like after his death, there were so many people who didn't know what to say. They didn't know how to, they didn't know how to support me. Um, I had, I will say that the people I work with um, were so supportive in like delivering meals to me and, in, you know, just giving me space to be in my own process. Um, but outside of that, like I didn't really have very many close friends. Um, and I feel like during that time and something that T taught me was how much support was available to me by the non-human world. Mm-hmm. And so I got to, in showing up to T and deepening my relationship with T, I feel like I also, it also just deepened my relationship to all of the non-human beings. And it was this lesson that like my dog is here to support me and the river and the rain and the mountains and like there's this whole like even though there are the humans can't don't know how to hold you in your grief that there are other beings that do yeah yeah so many humans they don't know how to show up and and they don't they don't feel worthy. I think that's a big thing is they don't feel worthy of showing up in the way that they know how. Um, mm. They don't feel worthy to maybe mess it up, but mm-hmm. like still be able to navigate the discomfort of being there for someone, even when it might not be perfect. And I think that that's the beauty of the natural world is that there's a, there's like a singular presence that never shifts. There's a universal acceptance that never requires something of you that you're not sure if you can give. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and there's no agenda. The agenda, the, the natural movement of energy in, of the universe is one of, is one of acceptance is one of this radical acceptance that everything is just as it's supposed to be. And Mm -hmm. I think humans with our constant desire to change everything, (laughs) it can be a tough energy to be around, especially when you're in something so deep that isn't changeable. Mm -hmm. When the external isn't changeable, I think of in my hardest times, the people who would tell me to get over it. you know, to not be in my grief, to not, to not allow the emotion to flow through me. And because, because they couldn't be with the discomfort of things are shitty. Things are shitty. This is the truth. This is the present. And we Mm -hmm. just have to let them be. Yeah. What do you think it is about you or about that time or what was the moment or what was what was running through you that that encouraged you to actually receive this initiation that that said to you show up that said to you there's more here for you this that this death gets to be as much about you as it is about your father like where did you find the courage to, to change. Cause even as I hear you and, and I know you, so I have more context, but it's like that support system that wasn't existent is in your life is just so incredibly prolific now, <laughs> you know, <Yes>. the, <laughs> the joy you've found, like it, it's really beautiful to watch how you stepped forward and allowed a completely different existence that is in full support and right relationship with you to just blossom around you. And I'm curious, like, where did that courage come from? Where did that understanding come from? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at first, at first it was just, how do I make it through this moment? Um, And I think that was the medicine of tea for me. It was, um, and when I was speaking to earlier about all these little choices that we make, it was, I didn't know at the time what this was going to be. I just knew that I needed to be with and allow myself to feel everything to the depth that I could feel it. Um, and, and I think a lot of that is from just showing up and allowing tea to support me in that. Um, I would have these, these waves of grief that felt like a tsunami that was going to take me out. And I think part of it is in showing up to my tea table and sometimes I would have tea like 
three times a day. <laughs> um, but there was something about seeing seeing myself actually survive each of those tsunamis that it it planted the seed mm-hmm. in me of oh I actually can survive this I actually can like my body actually is physically capable of surviving this even though it feels like there's no way that I could possibly survive this and by doing that over and over and over and surviving each of those waves of grief as they came it was like i it was like a reinforcement of my own resilience that built over time Mm -hmm. Um, and i feel like that really started to shift the stories that i would tell myself about what i was actually capable of and Yeah, these stories that like, and I remember I would talk to T and I would tell her like, I can't do this anymore. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. And then I would, and I would make it through that moment Mm. and make it through that tea set. And it was like she was mirroring back to me or she was holding this spark in me and reminding me that of all that I actually am capable of. And even in a time where joy felt like this, joy felt like it was on a planet that was very far away. And, and it felt like, I didn't know this um, at the time, but what I learned through my experience was that the depth of my capacity to feel my grief was directly correlated to the depth of my capacity to feel my joy. And so I, it was like, as I went deeper and deeper and deeper into my grief process, my joy also became Mm -hmm. that much more accessible to me. And. Wow. Can you give, can you give an example of that? That's so beautiful. Yeah. So I had, I would have these moments of, I mean, I had so many moments of my grief bringing me to my knees, but I would also have, I remember I went on a solo hike. It was the first time I'd ever hiked by myself. And I was just in the woods for like four or five hours, no cell service, just being with the trees and the mountain. And I was just overcome with this feeling of love and joy that like here are all of these beings that are supporting me and that I get to be alive today and that I get to experience this and this deep gratitude that I had something, I had a love from my father that was so beautiful and so big and so impactful that it was worth grieving so many people don't get mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, this, this joy and this gratitude um, for him at all that I got to love and be loved by him. Yeah. 
Yes. Yes. It's so interesting that, that piece of, um, of grief where it, it just, you saying that it reminds me of when I was in my dismantling and, um, my relationship at the time ended pretty traumatically and I was in so much grief. And I remember my ex, you know, couldn't handle how much pain I was in. And one day was kind of like, can't you just get over it? <laughs> you know, he couldn't, he couldn't handle it, experiencing my grief. And I said to him, this is a compliment to you. <laughs> you know, my grief is a compliment because if I didn't care, I wouldn't be feeling it. Yeah. And mm -hmm the more like the more even though it can be hard again to like witness someone's pain especially when it's in relationship to us what every part of that pain is saying is like i love you mm -hmm. i love you this loss is not um it's not easily you know you are not easily replaceable you are not like this this mm -hmm. had so much meaning and I think that it's so important for us to remember that because as you said, it's like our capacity to grieve is also our capacity to love. Mm -hmm. If we can't love people, if we can't love people, we won't be able to grieve them and vice versa. Yeah. And how can we, I, I, I would just love to see a world in which grief moved our hearts instead of shifted our bodies in discomfort, you know, mm -hmm. but actually encouraged our hearts to blossom open where grief is shared, you know, and, and I'll give another example. I remember one of my girlfriends, I was telling her the story of my dismantling. Um, and, and as I was sharing with her what, what happened, cause I didn't, I didn't tell many people at the time, cause I didn't feel quite safe to, she just started crying, just like this really gentle cry with the tears streaming down her face. And I remember what a gift it was to share my grief with someone, for someone else to feel like, I'm so sad that this happened to you. They weren't, she wasn't trying to change it. She wasn't saying, you know, she wasn't demonizing anything. She wasn't, she, but she was just feeling it. And it was such a gift for me to, to be mirrored that, mm -hmm. to be mirrored like, oh, this was sad. I don't have to, I, you know, I don't have to hide this. I don't have to prove how sad it was in order to, to, um, to justify my grief. I don't have to be anything other than here. And someone is sitting across from me saying through their tears saying, I'm here with you. And it's so powerful. It can actually like really bring us together. That moment created so much trust and connection between me and that friend. And I think those are the moments in which, you know, as I was saying, like through, through these dismantlings or these initiations, everything that we feel like we don't have, for example, community, support, it actually gets to be a way where that is strengthened and created. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Mm. Grief. Yeah, in my yeah. process, um, <laughs> I remember. I remember being so. I guess it felt surprising at the time, but now it it doesn't at all. But because in my grief process, I felt like there was also this. Um, I wasn't going to pretend that I was okay anymore. And people knew, especially people at work, knew that this had happened. And I had so many people come up to me and share their grief stories with me. Wow. And I had so many meaningful moments of connection where it's like people want to share their grief with each other, but there's also this question of can this person receive it and for me it felt like I in being so visible in my own grief process it gave other people permission to take a moment to be visible in theirs oh yeah yeah and I'm sure there's so many people in my experience with grief, at least I can speak to, it's like, I would feel like I don't want to burden someone. Is this too much? I don't want to make them uncomfortable. I don't want to be seen as weak. I like better to just, you don't want to like ruin someone's day. Like they're happy. Don't make them sad. (laughs) You know, these are all the things that, that would run through my mind as reasons not to share grief. Yeah, totally. Mm Mm-hmm. And so when you see someone being okay, not being okay, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as the saying goes, they have permission to do that too. It's so powerful. It's just like a little camaraderie, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's simple. It's simple, really. Mm But it does, but it does require us to be able to be uncomfortable. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's something that we can both say about our journeys with tea through the grief process is you, you know, as you said, I didn't think I could get through this. I didn't think I could be this uncomfortable that we learn, actually, I have a big capacity to be uncomfortable. And with each sit, I'm seeing that I can survive. I can survive the the difficulties of this human life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Jess, I want to ask you... I have two more questions for you. Mm -hmm. One is I want to ask you, what have you learned about grief through this process? And how has that made you want to pass that along? You know, like want to hold this grief space for other people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... In my experience, I have learned the medicine of 
are great. I so deeply believe in our capacity as humans to be with our grief and to be with it long enough to sit in the fire long enough to transmute it into love. Um, and I just, in my own experience, have seen the, the beauty and the, the magic that happens when we do that. Um, and like we spoke to earlier, the way that it, the way that it dismantles these stories that we tell ourselves in the way that it allows for real meaningful connection and community and mm. the, the cultivation of our own resilience and belief in ourselves that we actually can do the things that we think we cannot do. Um, yeah, I just so deeply believe in the medicine of our own grief. And I think that's also partially because I have seen so many people keep their grief stuffed down like they don't ever open the box and when you do that eventually it's gonna it's gonna find a way out and that might be through ways that you don't want it to be um and you know our our grief is gonna find a way out but it might be like being shitty to other humans or anger or mm -hmm. yeah all of these it can it can metastasize into something that consumes us rather than it being this medicine that transforms us mm. yeah beautiful and what would you recommend to someone who's wanting to feel their grief right now I, I mean, for me, tea is first and foremost, my, my greatest teacher with, um, being with my grief. Um, but I, I would also say that there is a whole world of non-human beings ready and waiting to support you and who has the capacity to meet you in your grief. And so that could look like going to a river and asking the water to support you and in moving your grief or going to the mountains or mm. to the ocean. Or I, f I wonder if Part of the reason why, at least for me, in my experience, um, so much of my grief moves through me in the shower. And I, this morning was just reflecting on that. And I was thinking, yeah, because the water is there moving, cleansing, helping me to release. And at the end of that, I get to turn the shower off and I get to step out and I get to keep moving forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, which I think is also the beauty yeah. of, of tea is that eventually you 
and water. your ritual, and then you get up, and then you keep moving forward. Yeah, I really find that like water attracts water, you know, so mm -hmm. even with tea, it's mostly water. And so it's a great space to grieve, right? It's a great, and it's a great, water is so clearing. And so a great way to ask for the support of releasing the grief, of processing the grief, of letting it move through you giving it to the water and then giving it to the earth, you know, mm -hmm. instead of, instead of seeing this human vessel as something that hoards, it's like actually this human vessel gets to be this being that allows life to move through and then allows more life to come in. Right. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. water, as you said, like the river, it, how it flows, it's teaching us how to let that which is here flow through and continue on its journey to its destiny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to not get stuck there. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Will you... Um, and I'll say, you know, I'll just say it's interesting because I think that every tea journey, at least in my work, is a grief journey. Mm. Because whether or not you have something in your life right now that's happening that's going to create grief, like it, that's not exactly relevant. Because as we reconnect to nature, <laughs> as we re as we remember how disconnected we are, like these are all things that humanity is grieving right now. And so I think that every journey with tea is a journey of how to, of learning how to grieve, learning how to love, you know, whether that's for the state of the earth, the state of our communities, or something very personal that's happening. That's, that's going to be a part of it. It's grief is a, is an integral part to our wholeness, an integral part of our healing process. And it's always interesting to see the people who can stay in relationship with that or not. Um, at least in my work. And the reason we drink tea is to help us stay in relationship because mm -hmm. it's hard work. The reason we drink tea is so that, so that we can stay in the fire, mm -hmm. so that we can stay in the fire. And it's so transformative, so mm -hmm. transformative. Yeah, and um, I think it's also to cultivate a relationship with this being so that when we need that deeper level of support, we have a relationship that we can call on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. A relationship we can call on that's always available, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that's neutral, that doesn't have an agenda on us. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Um, the last question I want to ask you today, Jess, um, if you'd be so kind to share the story of how you spent your father's one year anniversary of his passing. I just, mm. I've had a lot of students in Start Your Own Tea Practice who have honored anniversaries with tea, even of loved ones who have passed a long time ago, realizing like, ah, this is a way 
there's a way here for me to really connect into what happened. And I'd love it if you could share yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my dad's resting place is under a walnut tree um, in the middle of a forest. And I, I went out there um, the evening before the one year anniversary and I camped out there under the tree and um, and I woke up that morning and I I thanked all of the beings who were there holding that ecosystem for him. I thanked the tree for holding that mm. place for him and I thanked the stone for holding that marker for him. And, and then I served him tea. Mm. I, I thanked him for being, and I thanked him for loving me and supporting me and all of the things that he taught me. And I mean, in that year, there were so many times where I was talking to his essence. And, but in that, um, in that tea ceremony, I also told him that I'm okay. And that it's okay Mm. for him to go. And it was so, beautiful it's so beautiful wow yeah it's so beautiful to to bring the practice that has brought you peace as a way to bring his soul peace Mm I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Jess. Well, this has been such a beautiful conversation. As always, I'm so in awe of you, the strength of your spirit and the just bigness of your heart. It's such a beautiful thing to witness in a human. <laughs> Is there, are there any last things that you want to share before we wrap up? Um, I think the last thing I want to share um, that I think is important is I got to a point in my grief process, um, maybe four or five months into it, where I felt really, I felt stuck in my grief. I thought that in order to honor his life and in order to honor what I had lost and everything that he meant to me, that that meant I had to just continue grieving. And, and through your support and through tea, I, I learned that my joy is also honoring his life and my gratitude and that I get to 
I get to move forward and I get to have this this beautiful life and that that also gets to be an honoring and we don't have to stay stuck in our grief. It's so important for us to be with it and feel it and allow it to move through us and allow it to alchemize whatever is ready to be transformed and Mm -hmm. we also have to continue moving forward Mm -hmm. yes yes it's such a beautiful honoring a beautiful Mm -hmm. honoring and i think that your whole your whole grief process and the strength that you showed is such a testament to the man who raised you Mm. the man who who inspired you to love Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I couldn't agree more. <sighs> Beautiful. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you so much for sharing that and for mm-hmm. for your wise being and for being a, a beautiful teacher to many of what it means to what it means to receive the gifts of grief. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we did it. (laughs) Thank you so much. And for those of you who are inspired by Jess, I will have in the show notes a little spot to follow her on Instagram. And, and as she continues to, um, to build out her support system for others who are walking the path of grief, I will keep you guys posted. So I'll keep you guys posted in what this amazing human does. And lastly, if you are someone who is feeling grief or just feeling called to to start where Jess is and have a casualty practice, I'll also put my free class for that in the show notes so you can go ahead and just learn how to sit with tea in a casual way. Or you can definitely join us and start your own tea practice if you're ready to fully dive in. So... Thank you again so much, Jess, for your time, for your being, for your energy. And I'm looking forward to seeing where your path takes you. Thank you. Thank you, love. Thank you for all of your support mm-hmm. in my grief process. I, really, I just love you so much. Thank you for being. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. That's what my dad always says to me. Likewise, my dear. That's how he says I love you, too. <laughs> So, likewise, my dear. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. To stay tuned for future podcasts and new offerings, sign up for my newsletter at marianarittenhouse.com. And if this episode resonated with you, I'd love to hear all about it. You can reach me on Instagram at Mariana de la Tierra. That's of the earth in Spanish. Oh, and if you're ever in Boulder, Colorado, you should definitely join us for tea. My students and I serve tea ceremonies two to three times a week at my home in the mountains, and we'd absolutely love to have you. You can see the schedule and sign up on the ceremony section of my website. Give special thanks to our beautiful Earth Mother and all of our relations.
for constantly inspiring me and this work. This beautiful podcast music was created by Castanea David Brown. As always, thank you for being, and thank you for being here. Until next time.